So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'd invite you to open to uh, Exodus chapter 18 and, and Ephesians chapter 4. We've been in this church, uh, we've been in this series talking about the church, and, and I get it, and I understand, there's, a, there, there's probably none of you are thinking, oh, I hope he preaches about the church today. Uh, but every once in a while, we just need to be reminded about what we believe, why we believe it, what does a local church look like, because it's powerful when our view of church and God's view of church lines up. And it's amazing what God can do in a body when we all understand that this is a local church and this is what it looks like. And so we've been in this series called Locally Owned and Operated. And, and just, just the statement or just the thought is what I'm preaching this weekend is, 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 you know what? The church is all of us. When you look at Scripture, you realize all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, uh, the church is not some of us, the church is not part of us, but you realize that the church is, the church is all of us. And so in Exodus chapter 18, Moses is like, he's like leading a mega church. I mean, there are a lot of people going to this church, and God's doing some, some amazing things. People are getting baptized. People are coming into ministry and all of those other things, just like we're experiencing here. And so his father-in-law comes to visit. And his father-in-law is Jethro. Now, now, Jethro was in the same profession as Moses. So it's kind of intimidating, I'm sure, for Moses. His father-in-law's coming to town. He wants to impress his father-in-law. And so his father-in-law gets to town, and it just so happens the next day it was take your father-in-law to work day. And so Moses takes Jethro down to the church the next day. And so Jethro is watching everything that goes on at church, and he was asking Moses some questions. And Moses explaining to him all that God had been doing, the miracles and the stories. And, but, but Jethro was watching. And Jethro is like any other father-in-law that wants to give wise, good advice to, to, to your son-in-law. And so Jethro's watching everything go down, and so Jethro finally asks him, says, why are you doing ministry this way? I mean, why, 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 is it, why does everybody have to come to you? Why, why do people line up for long periods of time? And Moses says, well, you don't understand. They need to hear from me, and I need to meet with them. I mean, they line up, and they ask questions, and I answer their questions. They come, they come to ask me questions. And, and so in Exodus chapter 18, verse 17, here's what Jethro said when he looked at everything. He said, well, Moses, this isn't good. In other words, I don't know if you notice it in your Bible or, or the, the verse that's going to come up on the screens. Is It's like an exclamate. There it is. So it's an exclamation. Nope. Yep. That's it. So, <laughs> so this is not good. Exclamation mark. And so Jethro was one of those get to the point guy, uh, persons, right? He's type A. He's driven. Not going to beat around the bush. Moses, I just want you to know how you're doing ministry, your view of the church, not good. And he goes on. And he says, well, let me explain it to you. Verse 18. You're going to wear yourself out. Listen, the church is not, a, not part of us. It's not some of us. It is not one of us. The church is all of us. And so what Jethro is telling Moses, listen, this is not good. You're going to wear yourself out. In other words, Moses, you're going to burn out. And if you burn out, you're not going to be good, any good to anyone else. You're not going to be any good to the church. And he says, and, the, and guess what? And you're going to wear the people out too. This job is way too, too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. And so Jethro starts speaking into to Moses' life and says, you know what, you've got to get more people involved. I mean, this is a God thing, and this is a thing that's going on. And to do that, you've got to, do, you've got to get more people involved. And so the church is what Jethro is saying. The church is every one of us. And as a church, we can never lose sight of that. God has called Fellowship of the Rockies to do, and to, 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 to do some great things. But we always have to remember that... The, that I'm a part of the church and you're a part of the church and the church is not part of us, it is all of us. And, and God created a local church to advance, to advance the kingdom of God. 
And no nonprofit can do that. No organization can do that. That only the local church, and listen, let me tell you something. I, I get it for some of you, Fellowship of the Rockies is like a place of healing and refuge. Now, I, I hear stories over and over. I heard them when I first came. And so you don't understand about Pueblo. You don't understand Pueblo churches. The Pueblo churches have a history of fights and splits and, and pain and woundedness. And we came to Pueblo and we started telling them the vision that God gave us. And they said, you'll ne-, they kind of laughed and said, you'll never see that here. You don't understand about Pueblo. In Pueblo, we, we, have this, we have this process in church life to where God starts doing something to church. Church begins to grow. And then all of a sudden a fight happens or a split happens or someone gets hurt. And, and then all of a sudden the church splits and goes and starts another church. And then you've got all these bodies laying around. And listen, I understand. There are people who have come to our church and said, you know what, for us, Fellowship of the Rockies is a place of refuge, it's a place of healing. Uh, we, man, we got, we got burned out. We got, we got burned out at our last church, or, or we got hurt at our last church, or we got wounded at our last church, and I never want to feel that way again. <laughs> Somebody might want to catch him. <laughs> Sorry, ADD. I, I almost grabbed him. I, <laughs> so, so uh, I, I, there are all kinds of thoughts going through my mind. Okay. So anyway, we'll get back to this. Uh, and so I get it. Some of you have come, and this has been a place of healing or refuge for you. And you say, you know what? I, at the last church, we got burned out. At the last church, it was a business meeting. And we thought we were family. We thought we were friends. And there were some horrible words that were said. There were horrible decisions that were made. We don't ever want to hurt that way again. We don't ever want to feel that way again. And as a result for us, we love God. We love His Word. But we don't know that we can ever be all in again. It hurt our family hurt some of our relationships and we got hurt and I understand that because unfortunately some of the meanest people on the planet can be in church occasionally but part of the healing process and yeah I get it there's a time for healing there's a time for refuge and some of you have turned that healing you've turned that refuge into a sabbatical And the church is not part of us. The church is not some of us. The church is all of us. And part of the healing process is you stepping back in and not doing everything. See, that was Moses' problem. And what, what, what Jethro told Moses, Moses, you continue to do everything, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to burn yourself. It's not doing everything. 
but it's finding something where you're gifted and where, you're, where, you're, where, where God has gifted you and where he shaped you with your personality to where you find a place to where you can just serve because part of the healing process is when people just begin to, to serve again because the church is to, to advance the gospel. In the New Testament, Paul begins fleshing this, this principle out that the, that the church is all of us. And he begins talking to a church there in Ephesus and some of the other churches. And, and he, he says this in Ephesians chapter 11, uh, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. He said, now these are the gifts God, Christ, gave to the church. So who did he give the gifts to? The church. He didn't give the gifts to a, a nonprofit. He didn't give the gifts to a corporation. He didn't give those gifts to a government. He didn't give those gifts to a country. He gave those gifts to a church to advance the gospel because the church is all of us. Not some of us are not part of us. And so he gave the gifts to a church, and, 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 and you don't earn a gift. You receive a gift. And so, so he goes on. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and, and the teachers. And so, so when you realize this and you look at the, the principle there in Exodus chapter 18, is, is there were leaders were to lead, and leaders were to lead, and they were to equip, and they weren't to do everything. See, we come to this place to where we think church is about spectators and, and participators. It's about, it's about people that are on the sidelines and people that are all in and all of that other stuff, but it's way more than that. And because Paul goes on in verse 12, and he says the responsibility, he's talking about the leaders, the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. So who are the spectators? Absolutely no one. Who is sitting on the sidelines? Absolutely no one. Because the issue is, the thing is, is the church is all of us. The church is not some of us. It's not part of us. It is not, the, the church is not just the pastors. The church is not the pastors and some staff. The church is not the pastors and some staff and maybe some ministry volunteers. The church is every one of us. And it's a place where people are equipped, and it's a place where, where people understand that they're a part of the church. I'm telling you, listen, there is someone waiting on the other side of your obedience. We have story after story. When you start fleshing through all of these baptisms over this weekend, you start realizing that, you know what? It was someone that shared the gospel with them. It was whether it was a life group, whether it was in a service, whether it was a friend that invited them, or whatever. I'm telling you, someone is waiting on the other side of your obedience. To where you understand that, you know what, I'm the church. And I'm going to be the church. And he goes on in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, and we're going to pull, pull three principles out of this just really quickly. He says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does on its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Three things about the local church. Three things that the church is all of us. The first one is this, we fit we fit together. In verse 16, again, he says he makes the whole body fit together. In my Bible or in my iPad, I have, I have highlighted that word, whole body. Not part of the body, not some of the body, not just the spectators, the participators. No, he makes the whole body fit together. And so, listen, let me tell you something. A church is not a church if it's missing body parts. A church is not a church if it's missing gifts and if it's missing parts and and listen, I really understood this the last several weeks. Uh, three weeks ago, Corey, my son-in-law and daughter, Brittany, 
uh, bought our, our, our grandson, their, their child, of course, but our grandson, they, they bought our grandson one of those ginormous play sets, you know, the red, red, redwood play sets with the fort and the, the swings and the fireman pole and, the, and the, the climbing wall and that whole deal. And so uh, Corey took delivery of it because it had to be delivered to the house in pieces. And so it got delivered to the house. And so I get this call from Corey and says, would you come up? Would you help me put it up? And so I'm on my way. I get there. Gavin's ready. Gavin is thinking he's swinging that night. And so, uh, yeah. And so we uncrate it and get out the instructions. And in big, bold letters at the top of the instructions, it says something like this. It says, estimated time to set it up. It will take two highly experienced individuals approximately 24 hours to put this thing together. <laughs> yeah. And Corey and I are thinking, you know what, we can do it in 12. <laughs> we, can, we can do it in 12. And listen, I'm telling you, anytime you buy something and it comes with a video or estimated time to put it together, don't do it. Always trouble. So, so we uncreated this play set. You know, the first thing we did, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating. There's like, there's, like a, there's like a thousand pieces in that box. And we uncrated it. We got the material list out. And we began going through the material list, making sure that we had all the necessary parts. Why? Because if we're missing parts, it's not a play set. I mean, if we're missing a swing, if we're missing a slide, if we're missing a rope or we're, we're missing the fireman's pole or whatever, if we're missing that critical beam that goes across to the play set where they hang swings on, where you can't swing, then we realize that, you know what? If we're missing parts, it is no longer a play set. And the same is true about a church. If a church is missing parts, if a church is missing some critical parts, then listen, I'm telling you something, it is not a biblical church. See, when you look at this thing, that God takes the parts and he fits them together perfectly listen here's a church all of the parts me and you fitting together perfectly bringing our gifts and our talents and our abilities together that's why the scripture says he makes the whole body not part of the body not some of the body he makes the whole body fit together perfectly you know what's interesting about that play set all the parts were different all the parts of that playset were absolutely different. In other words, this. We didn't have a thousand of the same part. Why? Because if they're all the same, they don't fit together. Only different parts fit together. The same is true in the church. See, what makes this mysterious, what makes this amazing is this, is God takes different parts, different people. Some of us are more different than others. Uh, and he takes different parts, different people, and he puts them together because different parts fit and they make a wonderful thing, the local church. You see, a play set is a wonderful thing when all the parts fit together and when they fit together perfectly. And then you get to sit and watch your grandkids laugh and talk and swing and slide and go up the ladder and all that other stuff. It's an amazing thing when all, the pit, when all the parts fit together. A church is an amazing thing. When you watch all the different parts fit together and you watch 30-something people get baptized on a weekend, you watch thousands show up to Easter service, you watch a church continually adding services and adding seats and doing everything they can 
of adding life groups, doing missions in, in Haiti and Africa and, and in Pueblo and all other places, then it's an amazing thing when that starts happening. And you know what? You know what I love about our church? We don't all look the same. I mean, some churches you go in and it looks like they came out of a... It looks like they were manufactured, right? They all look the same. They, they dress the same. They talk the It's just, it's creepy weird. Right? You know what I love about our church? You look over our church. We don't dress the same. Some, we don't talk the same. We don't come from the same backgrounds. We're different. We look different. We dress different. But guess what? We fit. And we fit together. We fit together perfectly. And God uses us as we fit together. That's the way the church should be. We shouldn't all look the same. We shouldn't all act the same. We're different. And he goes on in Ephesians 2.10 and he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What? We are created for good works, which God prepared before him. That we should walk in them. What does this mean? This means before you were born, God created you for this. God gifted you and God planned you and he created you beforehand. See, every one of us wants to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Man, this movement, telling you, the only reason we're baptizing the numbers we are is because of God and God alone. This is a movement of God. This is something man cannot manufacture. And ever since I've been here, people have been saying, you know what, I, I just don't know. This is like Pueblo. But let me tell you something. 19 years we've had positive growth. 19 years. We've never had a split. We've never had a bad meeting. Never. Fact is, we even go out of our way because, see, I, I, man, I know, I hear it. I hear people say, you know, we came from churches that you ever said yes to one thing. Your phone started ringing off the hook, and before you knew it, you were doing like everything. Can I tell you here, we have a lot of the opposite conversations. Occasionally, we'll reach people, and all of a sudden, we realize they're up here way too much. And we'll, we'll have a pastor pull them aside and say, hey, listen. We, we, th we don't want to hurt your family. We, we think you're here too much. How about this? How about pick one ministry and do just what you can do because the church, the church is all of us. And if us, it's us finding our part and our place, and that's why we do the journey. In a couple of weeks, we have the journey coming up. That'd be a great starting point for you to find out what our church believes and why we believe what we do and... and and, and where you could fit into this body. A story is called, told in, in a book called God at Work. Ken Costa, uh, here a while back, wrote a book. And, and in the book, he, he starts talking about this young man. He's 19 years old. His name is Jerry Pruzak. And Jerry uh, was a high school senior, 19 years old, worked, worked at, at Dairy Queen after school. And so he's working the cash register. He's working the line at Dairy Queen. And he's, he's taking care of a, a, a blind man. And behind the blind man is a woman. And so the blind man gets ready to pay, pulls out his wallet, and, and drops a $20 bill on the floor. And so Jerry noticed it, and so did the lady behind the blind man. And so Jerry watched, and he was like totally shocked what took place. This lady picked up the $20 and put it in her purse. So Jerry kind of re responded like you did, and so he just kind of looked at the lady and said, Excuse me, ma'am, that $20 is his. It's not yours. Would you please give it back to him? And so she, uh, she said no. 
And so Jerry pressed in because he got angry and he says, ma'am, I'm telling you, I saw you. You stole it from that man. It's his $20 bill. I'm asking you now, give it back. And so the lady got mad and used a bunch of non-church words and, and uh, said some horrible things to, to Jerry. And so she got mad and she just walks out. So what does Jerry do? So Jerry pulls out his wallet, takes out a $20 bill, hands it to the blind man and said, sir, I'm I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry this happened. Well, someone in line that day noticed what Jerry did. So they just sent an email to Dairy Queen's corporate office and explained the story. Dairy Queen was so impressed by the story that they posted it on their Facebook page. Well, it didn't take long, and that story went viral across the nation. And people started uh, 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 picking up the story, replying the story, and all this other stuff. Well, a man by the name of Warren Buffett noticed the story. War- one of Warren Buffett's companies actually owns Dairy Queen. So Warren picks up the phone, calls Dairy Queen, gets Jerry's number, calls Jerry. Says, Jerry, this is Warren Buffett. Jerry said, who? <laughs> 19, he didn't know. So, so he explains himself, I actually own your company. And he says, Jerry, I'm just calling to tell you thank you. I'm t- calling to tell you thank you. It went across the nation viral, and this is how I picked it up, and I just want to tell you thank you, thank you, thank you. What an unbelievable employee. And, he, and Jerry says, well, wait a minute. It wasn't really that big, big of a deal. He said, I think I did what anybody else would do. I mean, I, I did what only I could do, and I, I just thought it was only the right thing. I thought it was the only fair thing. Warren Buffett says, well, Jerry, I, I know you're 19, and you may not realize this. The fact is, a lot of people don't realize this, but see, it's really hard in life to find people who are, who are truly owners. Anyone can find employees. But someone that really owns their job, owns what they do, an employee or a customer, when there's a problem, they find someone to write an email to. They find someone to complain to. But when you're an owner and you see a problem, you fix it. It's hard in business. And can I tell you this? It's difficult in churches as well. It's difficult in churches to reach people do they own the ministry? Do they only do what only they can do and what they've been gifted to do? They don't have to do everything. Just find something and serve because the church is not part of us and is not some of us. The church is all of us. And the last thing that Paul wanted to communicate to them and wants to communicate to us, not only do we fit together, we also work together, but the last thing is this, we grow together. I mean, we grow together, we mature together. We learn together. Paul is writing to Timothy, and, he's, and Timothy's going to become a pastor. And Paul gives him some advice and says, Timothy, you should pastor the church in such a way that people are able to see you progress in the faith. They ought to see you mature spiritually. Listen, I'm telling you, your family should be able to see that you're maturing in the faith. That you're more spiritually mature this year than you were last year. That something is happening in your life spiritually. And so the reason that we're all different is so that we fit together. Because we have different talents, we have different gifts, we have different abilities. Paul said in Ephesians 4.16 again, he says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. So everybody's working together. It helps the other parts, this is why. It helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy. Can it stop right there and just tell you what Paul was saying? If we don't all fit together, if we don't all work together, if we don't understand the church is all of us, we'll never be healthy. We'll never be the church that God has called us to be. 
We'll never achieve or we'll never advance the kingdom of God to the level that he wants us to advance the kingdom in Pueblo, Colorado. Until we all get this and we all understand this. I mean, one of the highlights of our weeks with Karen and I is going to life group. Because we, we're, we're all different, but we, somehow we fit. And we're like family. And we pray for one another. We encourage one another. We support one another. See, the church, listen, let me tell you something. The church is not about you. Oh, and let me tell you something. If you make the church about you, then that's not much room for Jesus in your life. Because it's about your preferences. It's about your likes. It's about how the church can serve you, how the church can make you happy, how the church can take care of you. And just like a play set, when it's functioning, it's a beautiful thing. And when the church is functioning and people are getting baptized and getting saved, and it's a beautiful thing. See, a healthy church is where everyone's involved. See, a healthy church is not just numbers and attendance and buildings and acreage. A healthy church is where we understand that the church is all of us. And we're committed to each other. And we encourage one another, we pray for one another, we support one another, we know each other. We come into community with one another. And when that happens, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to where Pueblo, Colorado, or the community can look into a church and say, you guys are so different. You're not like each other. And we may not agree with all of your principles, and we may not agree with everything, but the way you love one another, the way you support one another, the way you cut each other slack, and you don't judge each other, we want that. We want that. Church is all of us. It's me and it's you. And when your part's missing, the church is missing out. 